countdown to the youths. Busy days. Bring on the youths. This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Jerem Jordan and Brian Logan. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 50 days, people. It's Wednesday, July 10th. I am Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is headed to Greece to do a site survey for a show remote to cover Jimmer for Dead in the fall. So I'm teamed up with my personal DB coach, Brian Logan. And I bring this up because I participated in the corporate sponsorship team uh, flag football tournament. I didn't make a lot of plays, but I made the game-winning play last night for the championship. We're on defense. Hail Mary. I'm one of the deep three safeties. Ball bounces around. Guy catches it. I made a tackle a foot short for the win. For the win, man. Kalani Satake said that was big time. I felt pretty good in that moment. I I felt really proud as your coach. (laughs) Um... I sucked, except for that. You know what? <laughs> and we'll, 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 we have video we'll, of the play here. So we'll break it down. We'll break, break it, down. it down. You're going to see me come in at the very end. So, okay. so obviously the offense needs a Hail Mary. The, the quarterback is scrambling, buying some times, throws it up in the air into the crowd. The ball gets tipped, and a receiver comes down with it, has maybe, maybe one, two yards to, to turn and run, mm-hmm. actually scores. However, however, what do I have in my hand? Jerem. Grabs the flag yeah. at the one-yard line. Yeah. It was one-foot line. One-foot line. Yeah. And disrupts everything. They yeah. thought they had a touchdown. Yeah. They thought they had a win. They thought they had a friend. But <laughs> they had zero yeah. points. I award you no <laughs> points. Now, I did stutter step. You did stutter step well, you a little bit. Break down my technique there. You know, I understand why you did that because the ball was tipped in the air. Okay. So there's a little bit of a, you know, your eyes are drawn. But at the mm-hmm. end of the day, your job is to make sure that Obviously, they don't cross the goal line. Yes. So if you have your eyes on the receiver at the time, regardless if he you know, catches the ball or not, if it's tipped to him, regardless of what, what the case is, as long as you drive to him, if you're driving, that's going to remove the stutter step. Okay. And, you know, you're going to get there to, you know, make the tackle faster. Now, it's okay because it's flag football, right? Yeah, it's flag football. If it's not yeah, flag it's... football, if you had a tackle in. If it's not flag football, I'm in the booth. That stutter step, <laughs> that stutter step well, is, who, really you, good. yeah, yep. Okay. And that's how that's how this game is. It's a game of inches. Yes, literally. Inches. Literally. It was 6 to 12 inches. That was a little so. bit of a promo for after further review. <laughs> Thank Tuesdays. you. Coming this fall. Yeah, this fall. Coming this fall. Uncle Dave will be proud. Awesome. Love it. Yeah, so we won the championship. Uh, my coaches were uh, Zane Anderson and Trajan Peely. Shout out to my team. We did it for Staley. We did it for Staley. Here's what's on the show rundown. More reports and info on Jimmer Fredette and a deal with Greek club Panathinaikos. Uh, what will the result against Utah do for the whole season? We'll discuss that, preview the matchup with Utah with Bill Riley, voice of the Utes. The latest 10-10 and 10 is all about the running backs today. And volleyball libero world champion Mary Lake is in studio. How she lost her passport but found a gold medal. But first, today's headlines. Eurohoops.net and Greek basketball reporter George Zakis reports Jimmer Fredette has reached a two-year deal with Greek basketball club Panathinaikos owner Dimitris Gianna Kopoulos, we're going to have to get used to these Greek names, said the following, quote, we will celebrate his addition within the day, end quote. Fredette has yet to confirm the signing with another deal from China on the table. Eric Mika had nine points and seven rebounds in nine minutes of play for the Sacramento Kings. 
Even though the Kings lost to the Houston Rockets 94-92, to he continues to be consistent and plays hard. Uh, he is averaging 9.7 points and 7.3 rebounds per game for the Kings Summer League. Alex Gray had 22 kills, three blocks, and an ace for Team Canada in a five-set loss to the Dominican Republic. The ladies up north play again tonight. Group A final round of the Pan American Cup versus Guatemala at 5 Eastern time. Both Ben Patch and Taylor Sander made the roster for the FIVB Volleyball Nations League Finals in yeah. Chicago, with Sander being named team captain. He's got this handlebar mustache, by the way. Yes, I saw it that. Looks it looks gnarly. That's amazing. I wish he can <laughs> he can dye like stripes. Very way. Oh, that'd be nice, dude. That'd be nice. That would be, yeah, exactly. Uh, former BYU assistant Rob Nielsen is also serving as the U.S. assistant coach. Team USA plays France tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Here we sit, 50 days or seven weeks and a day away from BYU and Utah. You can almost smell it. I can't wait. There's lots to discuss and postulate before then, but let's examine the effects on the result of the season, Brian. How does a win and a loss separately against Utah in week one affect perhaps the rest of the season? Look, man, a loss would just would be devastating. Um, I would, yeah. We all know what a loss would, would, would do for us as the fans. Nine in a row um, just stinks. It just, it just sucks, man. It just, it just sucks. But, you know, for the players, it can do two things. When you, when you lose – um, you either get motivated by it, right? And you say, I'm never going to do that again, so I'm going to go back and fix it. Well, that's been said a know. lot, so well, how, how many I times mean, can you go to that well? Y- you know, it, there's, there's another, that's another different type of conversation. However, I think this one in particular, if they do lose, it's just flat-out embarrassing. You know what I mean? To, Is it? To, yeah. To Utah? Yeah. They're really good. It's because you lost nine in a row. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Well, well, that's embarrassing. Using to, losing one game to Utah is not embarrassing. No, no, getting not, blown out. Yeah, not at all. But it, it, if it's a blowout, or if it's if they lose by a half a point, well, like, a third of a point, it's, it's still nine in a row. I get that it's embarrassing, so, but so, Utah's good. Like it's yeah, a respectable loss. It doesn't. It doesn't matter, man. It, does, it doesn't matter. It, it's something about rivalry games. You aren't playing for the season for you. You're playing for everything. There's the city, the fans. That have the alumni, people in the future, my, your future kids, kids, and babies' kids, and babies' mom. Everybody, everybody, man. Everything goes into this rivalry game. A little dramatic. Everything. Okay. It's it's extremely it's, dramatic. It's more embarrassing to lose to Utah State, though. Look, check this out. You got to bring that up, Jaren. Anyway, so if that, I think with the embarrassment side of things, would it could potentially help motivate them more. Hey, we lost to Utah nine in a row. Yeah, but you know what? We got you know twelve, eleven more games left. Let's let let's go. Or it can get really ugly really fast. Let's talk they about get, something. They, they can get let's talk about a win, right? Yeah, let's talk about a win. So what for a win, mean for a win. Obviously, I think the the, the monkey off the back, mm-hmm. right? Hey, man, we we finally we finally broke the Max Hall curse, right? Um, but also just the motivation and the swag that you get from that. You know, we beat yeah, Utah. Top 20 win, top yeah. 15 win. You beat, be you beat, you beat Utah, um, uh, a very, you know, good opponent. We all know that they are good. A lot of analysts around the nation are high on uh, this, this Utah football team. And, and that's, you know, can springboard you into the next three games. We already played P5 schools. We already played a top-ranked P5 school. Let's, let's go ahead and continue to do this. We belong. That's what a win would do. 
It could potentially define the season. A lot of people talk about it like it is. We're in a more desperate place than we used to be, right? Um, it would validate what Kalani Satake is doing. This is year four. He's one game over 500. Hasn't beaten Utah. In fact, has beaten one rival in nine games. This would be a huge turning point, right? BYU needs it right now. BYU's not in a Power 5. Utah is. BYU's had 11 wins the last two seasons. We'd like to see BYU win 11 in one season. Eight-game losing streak, obviously. One in eight versus the rivals in the Kalani Sataka era. This would mean a lot. And, and you mentioned uh, what a loss would mean. Yeah, nine in a row. Jeez, no thanks. Um, the losing streak continues. Now BYU would have to go to Tennessee and win. They yeah. would have to win that game because now you'd be staring at a 1-3 and three or 0-4 oh start uh, because I think Washington's going to be a tough game to win. USC is a little scary. Tennessee's the worst team out of the first four. Utah could be the best team on the schedule. There's a lot of pressure for BYU to get a pressure. big win right away, and uh, I think it affects a lot of you, things, I think you win almost, or loss. I think you almost, when, you, when you put it in that perspective with the pressure – um, and what comes next, right, mm-hmm. uh, after a loss. At Tennessee is a you, tough you game regardless of how to, bad You would almost consider this a must-win. Like a must-must-win. It feels that way. It feels that way, right? It's yeah. Game, game one is never must-win, but it feels that it way. Feels, right? It feels yeah. that way for sure. All right, topic two. Going along with our 50-day to kickoff, Jerem, what are you 50-50 about most? Okay, a couple things. The first four games. BYU's the only team in the country to play four power fives out of the gate. Two and two would be incredible given the circumstances. Three and one feels wild. Well, BYU was three and one last year. They played Arizona, Cal, uh, Wisconsin, and McNeese. Sorry, McNeese was going to be a win. You were going to win Arizona and Cal, one of those two, right? Two and two was realistic. We were hoping for three and one, okay? It happened. We didn't expect Wisconsin, but they ended up being eight and five. That was a great game, great win. The wide receivers. This group hasn't performed very well the last two years. There's not a game-breaker, 75 yards a game guy in the group currently as I see it. Perhaps as a group, they can cobble together good results. Perhaps one game it's Aleva Hifo, another it's Gunnar Romney, another it's Talon Shumway, another it's Micah Simon. I think this group has experience. I hope that experience turns into yards and touchdowns. Yeah. And my third one, oh, and, and before that, to validate uh, kind of the struggle, let's go to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. BYU is one of nine teams to have its leading receiver have less than 30 catches last season. Five of those teams ran the triple option. So, BYU, the leading receiver was Matt Bushman with 29, which is fine. 29 can't happen. And then my third thing, edge rusher. BYU just lost a dude with 17 sacks, eight and a half last year in Corbin Kafusi, yeah. who's going to be the game-changing wrecker on the defensive line trying to get pressure with four. For me, man, it's the injuries. Um, you know, since BYU has has went independent, um, that's been the biggest issue is is the injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, BYU is is never going to be a, a team or a program that's going to get you know top rated, um, you know, recruits, and and therefore your first your first stringers, right? They're going to be most most of the time they're going to be days and light years above uh, your, your second string guys. I think with Kalani taking over. Uh, things have improved uh, drastically, but we saw, for example, in the Utah game last year, when you know for, when starters go out, there's a huge drop off uh, with with the number twos and the threes coming in. Um, and and when you look at the schedule going up against you know those those top rated schools, guys are bigger, they're faster, they're much stronger. Uh, it takes a toll on your body. And I, and I would say you know my second thing to go along with you. More so uh, a playmaker, not necessarily with the receivers. Anybody. 
I just want somebody to be a playmaker. Somebody know, that, that we know as fans, that the opponent knows, that the coaches know, everybody in the stands knows that when it's fourth and one and we need to make a play, that's the guy. We, we hope it's Zach we Wilson. Hope. We hope it's Tyson Williams. We hope it's Matt Bushman, right? Those are the top three. Anybody, somebody, top three candidates, step it right? up. Yeah. Topic three. Let's do a little big deal, no deal, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. About Jimmer Fredette. Brian, big deal, no deal. Jimmer Fredette expected to sign in Greece with Panathinaikos. It's a big deal, man. It's, it's, it's a big, big deal. Big money, you know, for what he's offered in, in the situation. Um, I think it's a better culture and a better environment. And, you know, I, I sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say it again. You know, you got to think about your whole family. Um, and, and what that environment, what that culture would look like uh, being there versus China. Um, and, and I think, you know, more importantly, it's, it's being able for Jimmer to be in a situation where he can thrive, where he can be Jimmer and he can do Jimmer things. Well, he did Jimmer things in China. Well, and I'm talking, I'm talking more so from, you know, the, the recent experience with the NBA and leaving. Right. right? Yeah. He's, I've said it, he's a great non-NBA player. I, Panathinaikos, one of the top ten clubs in Europe. They won the Greek League. Rick Pitino was the coach last year. He's not going to be this year. But for him to go over there tells you how uh, good that club is. Right. Uh, they pay well. It's a $3.5 million deal over two years. That's awesome. Plus, they pay for housing trips to the U.S. and stuff. Can you imagine oh, yeah. getting your salary plus not paying your mortgage or whatever or rent? That's awesome. That's nice. By the way, Brandon Davies with Barcelona is likely to play Jim or Fredette with Ooh. Panathinaikos should Ooh. the deal officially go down. Nice. And uh, living in Athens sounds fun. Yeah. For a year or two. Yeah. In two years, I guess. That'd be awesome. He's on a good team in a good situation in a good city. He's getting paid good money. I have no qualms about this. I mean, this is one of the top ten teams he could sign with outside the NBA in the entire world. So this is fantastic. There you go. Our question of the day, 50 days away from the season opener, BYU and that team up north. What are you 50-50 about on the upcoming BYU football season? Let's get to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation. On BYU Sports Nation. At Laser Sheep on Twitter. You can weigh in on Instagram and Facebook as well. I'm 50-50 on the Tennessee game. This is the type of game on the road that one of two things will happen. A blowout win or a blowout loss. Uh, I, I, I don't feel like it's uh, that stark. Plus, a reminder. BYU has gone out on the road and beaten good teams or okay teams or whatever in pow- not, uh, Power 5 situations. Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Arizona mm-hmm. and Michigan State, right? Mm-hmm. BYU goes out and wins one of these a year. This is the one, and they can target it as such. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, man. I think we, we have to understand that talent-wise, we can compete with these schools. Like I said earlier, when we have you know injuries, that's obviously another issue and concern. But quite frankly, what it comes down to is, is the coaching, right? Is our game plan and our strategy and execution better than yours? Because we can compete. So I think that's what I would be 50-50 on. Not necessarily yeah. the talent, Tennessee but more of yeah. the schemes, right? Amen. Tennessee's not on a 41-game win streak at home, by the way. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Coming up, Jaron breaks down the top 10 running backs that BYU will face this season in this week's 10 and 10. And the voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, friend of the program, will join us to discuss Utah. Are they as good as advertised going into 2019? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go. The MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. 
Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation, simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. I'm Jeremy Jordan. He's Brian Logan. Great to have you. If you missed the show live, you can download the podcast or watch the show on BYUSN.com. Well, we're 50 days out. We're going to give you a preview of every BYU opponent coming up in the next couple of weeks. So we start with the opener against Utah. And now joining us is the voice of the Utes, friend of the program, We've known him a long time. His name's Bill Riley on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Bill, how you doing this morning? Jerem, I'm good. Some have known us longer than others, right, Jerem? Back to the Copper Hills days, yes. right? Yes, uh, Late 90s, early 2000s when you came from Jacksonville. You actually wrote a letter of recommendation for a scholarship that I didn't get, I want to bring up, at BYU. I, I apologize <laughs> if the letter wasn't quite good enough. I wish, I wish that was the reason, yeah. Okay, we're 50 days out from BYU in Utah. Um, I guess what, what emotions come to mind when you, when you think about, hey, this is just around the corner? I, I was just talking to your executive producer, my friend Ben Bagley, and saying I can't believe that we are 50 days away. And I don't know where time flies. It used to feel like summer was interminable, that we couldn't wait to the beginning of camp. And then, I mean, we're, we're like – three weeks, less than three weeks away from the start of camp, much less the season, which is 50 days away. So I, I think it's great. I don't know about you guys. I, you know, I, I love the fact that the game's the first game of the year now. I know a lot of people say, oh, it should be at the end of the year, and I'm sure Brian feels that way because that's where it was when he played. But we know things are different now. The schools are in different places. I just love the game still being played, and if it can't be played at the end of the year – played at the beginning we have all summer to hype it up and, and then you get it out of the way and then you can turn your attention to other things and everybody's healthy and so I'm just excited for it I, I actually like it to be in the, in the beginning versus the end of the season um, I'm with you man I think the biggest thing is is the injuries right and and the health um, I think this is a true testament of how good these programs either one can be or the, the hard work that they've done you know, up until that point, um, there's no game film that you can really watch except for the previous year. Well, they uh, just played hard. two games ago. Well, yeah, you know, <laughs> but you know, when you have different coaches and players and things like that, it's, it's all really the same people. Can, it's eh, all the same people. You know, there's different little wrinkles and th- things like that. It's yeah. hard to really get a good grasp. Anyway, I do agree with you. I like it to be in, in the in the, the the very first game for the season. Now, when we think about last year, we almost had you guys. I thought the curse of Max Hall was going to be broken. Uh, we came back uh, down 20, uh, or, or you guys came back, you guys were down 20. Uh, were you a little bit nervous as the game was rolling out? Well, I mean, I don't know how you could, couldn't be a little nervous. You're down 20 late in the third quarter. And I thought that, that you know, I, was, I had Julian Blackman on my show yesterday, and, and I felt like the game maybe turned when he picked off Zach Wilson, but then BYU went right back down the field and scored again to make it 27-7. So, yeah, I mean, you've got your backup quarterback who's never been in that situation, got your backup tailback, and your defense, which has been lights out, has given up 27 points. So, yeah, there, there wasn't a lot of – I mean, you guys were at the stadium that day. There wasn't a, lot, a whole lot of life in Rice-Eccles Stadium, and there wasn't a whole lot of reason to think, yeah, things are going to be better. And then it did, things kicked in. Jason Shelley started playing, and it, and it, was, it was a whole lot better. But, yeah, that, there, was, there were some nervous moments late third quarter, early fourth quarter last year, Rice-Eccles. Let's talk about this year's group in 2019. A lot of preseason hype uh, for this Utah squad that uh, went to the Pac-12 title game last year, returns a lot of the major pieces. Is this the best team from Utah going into the season, in your opinion, in the Pac-12 era? Oh, there's no doubt about that, Jeremy. It might be the best team going into a season of the Kyle Whittingham era, too, and that includes 2008, the undefeated team. I 
I just they, they've never had more talent one through 85. Uh, even that eight, that 2018, which was really really good, put a bunch of guys in the NFL. They weren't as deep as this particular team, and that was a team that got to play a Mountain West Conference schedule. It didn't have to play a Pac-12 schedule. And I think we saw it on, on display last year. We were just talking about the BYU game, but it was the Oregon game and the Colorado game before that, and then the Pac-12 championship game. You know, you play without your starting quarterback, and you play without your all-conference tailback, and we're still able to get, you know, to get it done down the stretch. And I think that was a testament to the depth and, and the talent that, that Whittingham and his staff have recruited to. And coming back this year, I mean, there was a good chance that, you know, Julian Blackman, Jalen Johnson, Lecky Fotu, Bradley, and I were all going to go play in the league. They would have all been drafted in the NFL, depending on, you know, what grade they got. They would have all been drafted. They chose to come back. Getting those guys back, getting Huntley and Moss back uh, with this football team are huge, huge boosts to go with some talent that was already there. And I think the unsung move in the offseason is the return of Andy Ludwig at offensive coordinator. You know, I've joked repeatedly that ever since Andy left after the 08 season 10 years ago, Kyle Whittingham's been in search of Andy Ludwig. <laughs> and that's who he's wanted. He's wanted Andy. He hasn't been able to find him. And then Andy's cut. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why there's kind of been a little bit of a revolving door at offensive coordinator, because Kyle knew what he wanted in an offensive coordinator. It was Andy Ludwig. And I think getting him back in Andy's style and his adaptive style, I think will be really good for this offense, really good for Kyle. But I think it'll be really good for Tyler Huntley, too, because I don't think you're going to see him exposed nearly as much in, in the spread offense as he was the last couple of years. He'll still be able to use his athleticism, but I don't think you're going to see him you know, as many designed runs as maybe there were at Troy Taylor's offense. Bill, in, in my experience playing uh, rival games throughout my whole life, didn't really matter about how good a team was, um, returning starters, players, um, records. We just completely threw them out the window because anything could happen. Um, with the hype surrounding this team and the talent that you just mentioned, is it safe to assume that as well going into this game? That nothing matters? I, that, that, I, that, I've always said, yeah, go mm-hmm. ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I think talent. I mean, I, I do think talent does matter. I think that sometimes a rivalry game can be a little bit of an equalizer on an emotional standpoint or front. But, but I, I do think talent. I don't think location matters. I've, I've never really thought that you know playing that game in Provo or playing it in Salt Lake City really matters. Whether you play it in Columbus or Ann Arbor or wherever it might be uh, with rivalry games. But, but I, I do think talent and experience matters, and I do think it matters when you've had guys that have been through the game before. Um, so I, I do think Utah has a, a talent advantage in this game, whether they come out and play to that level of talent. And I do think, Brian, being the first game of the year, we know this, it's in the NFL where you have two or three preseason games to knock the rust off. Right. First games can be kind of weird when you haven't had that, that exhibition game or anything like that. So I, I think that Utah is a more talented team across the board and in a lot of key positions. But I will say this, playing it in the first game where last year maybe injuries without Moss and, and Huntley were a little bit of an equalizer, I think this year playing it in the first game makes it a little bit of an equalizer too because you haven't had that game game speed and game experience, which you can't simulate in a practice. 
Yeah, it was weird the last game there. Both teams are playing with backup quarterbacks. Both teams are playing backup running backs. It was it was interesting. Now the full attention is on this game. I wanted to ask you about Britton Covey because Torres ACL meniscus in the uh, Pac-12 title game. He played with a broken wrist. Uh, we find out later. All year, this, I mean, all, that, all year basically from the crazy. Washington game on, he was playing with a broken wrist. That's that's wild. Is he expected to be ready for the BYU game, or will he join midseason? He, now, he told me that everything was on track to be ready to go with fall camp. I talked to him about a month ago, wow. and he said the rehab was going really, really well. Now, that doesn't mean he'll be full speed by the beginning of, of fall camp. But his ex, I asked him, I said, are you expected to play against BYU? He said, I'm expecting to play against BYU. I'm not his doctor. I haven't seen it. I'm not running his rehab. I'm just going by what he told me in an interview. He said he's hoping and expecting to play against BYU. That means he wants to. He wants to. Not well, of course he does. The Provo kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he, he, he works hard. I think he's tough. Obviously, you know, playing with a, a broken wrist and, and hand and whatnot. And I think it all comes down to the determination with rehab, right? We've seen guys, you know, within the program come back off of injuries like Taysom, right? Come back and we're like, what the heck? You know, how did you, you know, how did you do that? So hope I hope so. It makes the rivalry, you know, that much uh, better and more entertaining to watch. Um, Bill, to, uh, today our, our question of the day is what are you – 50-50 about uh, regarding the, the BYU football program. Uh, so we'll ask the same question to you regarding uh, the Utah football program. Uh, 50, I don't know. The question I have going into camp, though, is, is just how the offensive line pieces fit together. I think they know who three of their five guys are. You know, can you figure out who those other two guys are and how quickly can you do it into fall camp? I think Jim Harding likes the group he has. But he's got to figure out who, you know, I think he's got his starting left tackle is Darren Paulo. I think his starting center is Orlando Umana. And Nick Ford's going to be a starter either at a guard or he could play right tackle. But then they've got a group of guys, some transfers, some JC guys, and some guys that didn't participate in the spring. They've got to figure out who slots into those other two places for me. I'm going to be honest, guys, and I'm not trying to be the homer here. There aren't very many. I'll tell you the other question is place kicker, which is weird to say at Utah because they've had all conference and all American place kickers for the last 12 years. They, they don't have a definitive place kicker today either. So BYU, and this is weird to say too, may go into that game with the more proven kicker. When was the last time we could say that? Matt yeah, and Payne, even maybe? then, there's going to be a, a battle for that spot here. Oh, is there? Okay, yeah, so yeah. I, so it's not necessarily Skylar Southam right now. Not necessarily. Uh, no, Jake. Uh, Jake. Uh, what, what's I blanking? Oldroid is back from a mission and will compete for that spot. But yeah, no one okay. breaks down kickers so, so we like may be BYU going Sports back Nation. To the days of the early nineties, where we don't. <laughs> if the game comes down to a kick, exactly. thirty-four, thirty-one. So let me let me flip one on you guys now, because here's the question I'm throwing out today. If you guys could pick one guy off of the Utah roster to plug into Utah into, into BYU squad, who would you pick? Either side of the football, Zach Moss. That, that's a very yeah. good and quick yeah. answer, Brian. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, it's, it's no. It's just. Yeah, yeah, that's not even. If it's not Zach, uh, I'm probably going with uh, Lecky Fotu or Bradley and I just to have a little more oomph on the defensive line. I think BYU's got some. Could you talent. imagine Lecky Fotu and Kyrus Tonga playing side by side? I can, Holy and they God. almost did at Utah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask Here's you. The, I, I'm yeah. going with Brady. I, I'm going with Brady Christensen, and I'm going to play him at right tackle. Mm. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah freshman All American, graded out really well last year. Fantastic. I want to ask about the defense. Yeah, I, just, I just like him because he's got reps. The guys Utah might have, you know, I think Utah's got some guys, but Brady's a proven commodity, and I think he's got a huge bright future. At BYU, don't you guess? Yeah, he could yeah, be a four year sure. guy that's 
play in the NFL. Excited about him. So defensively, that defensive line, Fotu Anai, Penicini, awesome. Um, on the back end, Jalen Johnson, Julian Blackman, fantastic. I guess the questions defensively for Utah might come at linebacker, obviously Francis Bernard there, Mika Tufua, a couple of uh, kind of former Cougs in, in a way. Um, who replaces Cody Barton and Chase Hansen at linebacker? Well, it's going to be Francis is one of those guys. We all kind of thought Francis would be the guy last year that Cody would start the year, but Cody was so <laughs> so good. Francis ended up being the third linebacker, but it'll be Francis and Manny Bowen, and Manny was a two-year starter at, at Penn State. So um, those two guys, the third linebacker, it'll be interesting, but I think it's going to be Devin Lloyd. He was a freshman, a redshirt freshman a year ago. He's really, really good. Um, he's kind of a thicker uh, taller version of Stevenson Sylvester, if you remember Sly from that mm-hmm. uh, 07, 08 yep. teams who played for the Steelers for a little while. He's really, really good. So they've got three linebackers. Sione Lund, who was who was a bright and high kid, went to Stanford's come back. He's working his way in at linebacker. they got a transfer kid, an LDS kid from UCLA, Mike Juarez, who yep. was the number one linebacker in the nation a few years ago. Yep. He had concussion issues at UCLA. Never really got on the field. wasn't a Jim, He was a Jim Mora, not a Chip Kelly guy. Uh, if he can get eligible, he'll be in the mix. He may have some grade stuff that he has to finish up this summer. He may end up taking a year and a half two to play, but uh, he, he'd be in the mix too. But but your two starting linebackers are going to be Bowen and uh, and Francis Bernard. Okay, good stuff. We look forward to uh, 50 days from today, BYU and Utah, Bill. We always uh, appreciate the time, and thanks again for your letter of recommendation. <laughs> hey, anytime, Jaron, Brian, good talking to you. And tell Linton that uh, there's no days off when you hit 50 yeah. days. His slacking is really disappointing to me. Yeah, I was gone last week, so whatever. Thanks, Bill. (laughs) That's Bill Riley on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. Utah's certainly talented. Uh, That first game's going to be exciting. Yeah. I think uh, BYU's been rearing to go again. They will have played twice in three games, which is awesome. I can't wait, man. Can't wait. Coming up, world champion Mary Lake joins us in Studio B. Awesome. Hopefully she brings that uh, gold medal. And who are the top ten running backs BYU will face this year? Where does Zach Moss fit on the list? This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back. Jeremy Jordan and Brian Logan in Radio Vision Live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. In case you missed it, here are today's headlines. Eurohoops.net and Greek basketball reporter George Zakis reports Jimmer Fredette has reached a two-year deal with the Greek basketball club Panathinaikos. Owner Dimitris Gianni Kupalis, Kopalis, it's going to be a minute before we know this, said the following, we will celebrate his addition within the day. Uh, apparently, the owner has been going after Jimmer since 2014. Fredette has yet to confirm the signing with another deal from China on the table. Eric Mika had nine points and seven rebounds in nine minutes of play for the Sacramento Kings in a 94-92 loss against the Houston Rockets. Mika has averaged 9.7 points and 7.3 rebounds per game for the Kings Summer League team. Alexa Gray had 22 kills, three blocks in the ace for Team Canada and a 3-2 loss to the Dominican Republic. The ladies up north play again tonight in the Group A final round of the Pan American Cup versus Guatemala, 5 Eastern time. Both Ben Patch and Taylor Sander made the roster for the FIVB Volleyball Nations League Finals in Chicago. Patch has the second highest spike success rate 
in the 2019 BNL at 56.79%. We're going hundreds. Nice. Team USA will play France tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Very nice. The U.S. will host this for the next three years, I believe. Nice. This is exciting. It's the World Championships. We're going to talk to Mary Lake coming up in the next segment. The USA won the women's side. Men uh, going for the men's championship as well uh, coming up in the next uh, week or two. Okay, uh, it's Wednesday. That means a new edition of 10 in 10. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jeremy, 10 and 10. Today it's the top 10 running backs BYU will face this season. Number 10, Joshua Mack. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. The FCS transfer from Maine led all of that level in rush yards per game in 2017. He's got great hair. Awesome, right? 133 a game, 5.5 per carry. He'll form a nice tandem with Frankie Hickson in the backfield. I love the hair, man. Something about Hair's it. great. I you know, it. I think I think running backs get superpowers. From Harris, Samson like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Number nine, Vavai Malepei, USC, VM for short, rushed for 501 yards, 5.4 yards per carry, a team high eight touchdowns last season, added 18 catches for 93 yards. He's the leading returning rusher for the men of Troy. Game three for Bill. Definitely a back that can make things happen outside of the backfield with catches 18, right? Somebody you got to keep on your radar at all times. Number eight, Frankie Hickson. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yeah, that's two. The fifth-year senior rushed for a thou last year. 11 touchdowns, put up 100-plus in five games, but is recovering from offseason knee surgery, so that's always a question. Yeah, man, when you look at his highlight text that we're looking at right now, somebody that's a little bit shorter, a little bit stocky, uh, but you look at the, the swivel, right, the agility, being able to make people miss, getting to the edge. Um, but, you know, coming back from a knee injury is always tough from a running back. Number seven, Gerald Bright, Utah State. 888 yards last year, 6.3 a pop, 10 touchdowns on the ground, three TD catches. Had a great year for the nation's number two scoring offense. Four 100-yard games, three touchdowns versus Hawaii, 121 yards that day. Gerald Bright, Utah State. It's somebody that's scary. When you think about uh, his explosion, 400-yard games, um, but most importantly, the carry, man, 6.3 yards of carry, mm. right? We, we just, for any any offense, you just hope that they try to get, you know, 5 or 3.4, four, whatever the case is, right? But to get 6.3? Yeah. Zach Wilson, 7.3 on non-sack carries, by the way. Hmm. Number 6, Ty Chandler, <laughs> Tennessee. 5.5 yards of carry, 630 yards, 4 touchdowns on a bad offense with a porous offensive line. 3 touchdowns receiving, 17 yards of catch as a receiver. How about that? Ran for seven per carry the final three games in SEC play. Yeah, this this is another kid that I would just put as athlete. I really, really wouldn't put him as a running back, but I mean he can do all things: catch the ball, um, obviously explosive. As you, if you were watching the highlights, you know from home, uh, you can see how agile, how smooth the kid looks. To the top five we go. Number five, Jordan Cronkite, South Florida. No relation to Walter. Played two years at Florida, 1,100 yards last year, nine touchdowns. Had 302 yards versus UMass. Fourth most for an FBS player from a Florida school ever. Went for 100-plus in five straight games, five and a half yards per carry in his career. Definitely a bigger back, man. You know, taller, um, can bruise you. Um, you know, how, much, how many yards did we rush against UMass? 
Not 302, I don't think. Yeah. Number four, Bryant Kobach, Toledo. The Kentucky transfer led the Rockets with 917 yards last year. That's second most for a Toledo freshman in school history. A Mack high 14 touchdowns, six yards per carry. And that was top 25 among 900-yard-plus rushers nationally. Season high, 192 versus Kent State. I like that you put him fourth, you know, especially being a freshman. Um, a lot of upsides. Doing the, the damage that he did last year. Another year of experience under his belt. Spring, another camp. Look out. Number three, Jawan Washington, San Diego State. He was one yard shy of 1,000 despite missing four games last year due to a broken clavicle. I broke my clavicle in fifth grade. Someone said, you broke your collarbone? I was like, no, my clavicle. Five yards to carry, <laughs> 10 rush touchdowns, all in nine games. Classic San Diego State back in the spirit of Donnell Pumphrey and Rashad Pennick. I don't even know what a clavicle is. Uh, Where's that? It's your collarbone. Oh. Oh, okay. Number two, Savon Ahmed, <laughs> Washington. Now you get the joke. Ahmed rushed for 996 yards, 10 touchdowns, and six yards to carry over the last two years because he was the number two behind all-time leading rusher in school history, Miles Gaskin. Ahmed will be a thousand-yard rusher in the Pac-12, in my opinion. Yeah, he's definitely you know one of the scariest backs that BYU faced. Uh, when you when you look at what he had, what he did in the production from um, a, a big time back like Gaskin, and then being able to just learn from him, right, and those reps, uh, those mental reps that he gets. But when you look at the highlight tapes here, Woo! can knock you down, go around you, through you, upside, top of you, sideways, slanted ways, all kind of ways. So. BYU defense will have uh, had their hands full. And the top running back BYU will face in 2019 is Zach Moss of Utah. He's a great back. Rushed for nearly 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. That was in nine games. He missed four games due to an injury. 6.1 yards per carry, 211 yards against UCLA, 160 against Stanford. Touchdowns in eight of the nine games he played in. If he didn't have a serious knee injury, he probably would have gone pro. BYU will have a huge test in week one, and those are the top ten running backs BYU will face in 2019. I think the thing I appreciate the most about Zach Moss is uh, his, his footwork, man. He, he can make people miss while still going north and south. And, and he didn't play in the game last year. He didn't, and he didn't play. He was injured. You, got, you, you would imagine what, what the difference could have been, right? So, But BYU had their chance this year. BYU was playing with its third string running back, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that was because Squally Cannon and Lopini Cato were. Out. That wasn't that wasn't. So it wasn't just Utah playing and, with injured. And, yeah. and he was on the defensive side, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Hadley. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. Uh-huh. Coming up, which Cougar helped the U.S. women's team get a win over Ukraine? And world champion Mary Lake is back after her worldwide volleyball tour. What happened with her passport? But what did she find instead? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Uh, Our guest lineup is typically comprised of people who have done notable things, but today perhaps an extra notable thing with our next guest. Her name's Mary Lake. She's a libero for BYU, but she's brought a gold medal from the World Championships with Team USA. First off, congratulations on, one, making the team. And two, you played a bunch, and then you guys win the gold. That was amazing. Thank you. Thank what, you. How, do you <laughs> how do you sum that whole experience up? And we'll dive into some of the details, but generally. Um, really outside of my comfort zone. Lots of interesting food, lots of jet lag. But ultimately, just volleyball is volleyball. And I learned to love the girls. And it's a really neat experience playing not just different teams, but different countries. And how each country has their own style and... 
it was just kind of like a surreal experience that I never thought I'd be able to be a part of. Were you the only collegian on the team? There were two others. Okay, two others. Yeah, gotcha. Jordan Thompson and Dana Retke. Are they going to be seniors? Uh Jordan is. Dana's going to be a junior. Okay, so you weren't the youngest. Yes, so that's a good thing because the trophy that we got, the youngest has to carry it around the airport. (laughs) I went back and I was like, Dana, I love that you're here. I'm only like three months older than her, but I'm like, thank you for being here. I do not want to carry that around. (laughs) Yeah. What what does that do for your confidence? I mean, being you know one of the the youngest and and playing at that level, um, are you? Head growing a little bit. <laughs> I think you have no. topper status over all your teammates now, right? Hair volume. Um, no, head. I know. <laughs> I'm like, thanks. No, no, no. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it was just a different perspective of, like, different level of volleyball, and it showed me the things I really want to get better at. And I don't know. I don't think anything ever really <laughs> puffs up my confidence too much. But it was cool realizing that, these girls want me here and that the coaches mm-hmm. want me there and that they think I have something to bring, which I never really thought I would at that level. And so that was an interesting experience, but it, it does make me like anxious and want to come back and be with my BYU team and get to know them and to start playing with them. So I know there's work to do in this, in this vein, but this sets you up to potentially make the Olympic team, does it not? Next um, year? To be in the mix at least, right? Yeah, just be considered as cool. So I don't know. I don't know what their coaches are thinking. But You're, you're being low-key about it. Mary Lake <laughs> is going to have a chance to go to the Olympics next year, and it's going to be awesome. Um, okay, let's dive into the whole experience. So uh, walk us through which countries you went to again. Okay, so we went to Bulgaria first. Love Bulgaria. Big fan. Um, and then Italy. And then China. Oh, no. And then Lincoln, Nebraska. We flew back. And incredible crowds, right? Yeah. Nebraska, what Nebraska, Nebraska does with volleyball is awesome. Yeah, incredible. And there are a couple Almost girls, as good as what we do. Not quite as good <laughs> as what we do, but there are a couple of girls that were on the team that are kind of like, they call one of the girls Gov, Jordan Larson, because the like, she's governor oh, of nice. Nebraska. Like, like everyone, we went to the coffee shops and people were, it was a really cool experience, just how great of a fan base they had. Um, and then we went back to China, we went to China and then Russia, and then you get a week off for the finals, and then we went back to China for the finals. Okay, in the midst of this, something happens with your passport. Tell us the story. Because you, you weren't on the team the next week, and we thought, oh, she's getting a break. That wasn't the case. So we flew from oh, – this is such an embarrassing thing. <laughs> <laughs> we flew from China to Russia, and I got, got on the airplane, and I had my passport, and then I got off the airplane – we take a shuttle to customs and we're on the shuttle. I'm not, my zipper's undone on my backpack. Not sure if it got stolen or if it got left on the plane. But either way, my dad always, whenever I am sad about it, my dad's like, either way, it got stolen. So <laughs> don't hate yourself <laughs> too much. But so I was in the middle between Russia and China. And I, it's like I hadn't gotten into Russia yet, but I had exited China. And so the Russian airport was telling me I had to go back to China alone and they were making like my coach and everyone go through because they're like you have no problems you have to go and so I wait in a Russian airport all night alone and sad it was like sad music in the background and (laughs) but and then I wake up in the morning and they're sending me to LAX so that was the story is I went to LA and I trained with the coaches there I got a new passport long messy thing and then I went back to China what was that like emotionally like kind do of, I look? Do I 
that's why I was shocked about the hair thing, because if anything, it's like a lot has fallen out. <laughs> <laughs> You're alone sleeping overnight in a Russian airport. Yeah, it was an experience. I definitely like, grew up a little bit. Maybe I'm not as chipper as I used to be. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You've it, seen the world. You've been Yeah. It, that's incredible. Just, like a lesson to everyone out there. Don't lose your passport ever. Um, but it, I probably should have had better handles on it. But it was... It reminded me that I wanted to be there and I wanted to be with the team and the girls were telling me they missed me and I missed all of them. And so it sucked, but live life. And yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, really that's, wild. that's crazy. Out of all the places that you traveled, which one really sticks out to you the most? Um, I, so how the tournament works is they have a roster of like 24 and they brought younger girls to play and then you bring in new ones and you switch out just so that the tournament's not all that long and that hard on people. I was there for seven weeks and the libero was liberos were there for the whole time. But um so the first week was with younger girls and we were in Bulgaria and it was the first time we had been on the tournament and it was just kind of like we look back and have a list of memories that we loved. And in Bulgaria we went outside of the hotel, everyone was outside and there was kind of like a center and there were kids running around and so that aspect really sticks out in my mind. Italy was Italy. It was just like grand and I'd never been before. Um, but yeah, every place has something. I just have like really good memories of the first couple of weeks because it was fresh and it was new and I really love the countries. So We're talking to Mary Lake, libero for BYU and Team USA and it would have been amazing had you not even made the final, not won anything. Like it still would have been cool, I think, in a lot of ways. But you play Brazil in the final. You go down two sets to none, and you win in 5-15-13. Describe Great. the drama of winning the game. <laughs> the drama. Well, it's funny because anytime you play a team like Brazil, which is... It's kind of the rival, right? Like they're Yeah, really and they're, good. they're really good, and they have a lot of... They play with a lot of emotion, and so when they're on, they're really on, and you have to like figure out how to manage them, and it took us a little bit of time to like figure that out and to work through some of our kinks, but I just remember... Even in the third set, I just we all had this feeling like we'll be fine. We just need to get our stuff together, and we did. And I just keep reliving the last couple points of the fifth set, and it was like, what's happening? Like, what just happened? It felt like the game went by really quickly because we were just down, and then we came, started playing better. And I look back, and I'm still kind of like, I can't believe that happened. Like, I'm talking to the other girls, and we kind of have this view of that was like a dream. So And you had your Sprite amid their champagne. Yeah, I still <laughs> celebrated with some bubbly, just not some fermented bubbly. Can we see this? Yeah. Not touch it? This no. is the v- Volleyball Nations it. League gold medal, yeah. Mary didn't bring this in. We asked her to bring it in. Your coach was Karch Karai, the Michael Jordan of volleyball. Yeah. One of your assistants is Luca Slabe, former player and assistant coach here. Like, I love So Luca. fun, right? Thank you. And, you and can meanwhile, wear it if you want. You can put it on. It's <laughs> kind of heavy. Heather, Heather Nighting and Kennedy Eschenberg and Ronnie Jones Perry getting Team USA yes, experience. Yes, so, so awesome. Uh, everybody coming back with RJP. Really exciting. Congratulations, Brian. Give it back during the break. She, she said I could wear it. Yeah. Well, d- during the break, yeah. I had, uh, I had oh, Guard Young silver medal for like a whole afternoon one time randomly. Oh, wow. Which was he trusted you with that? I don't know why. <laughs> you yeah. really lost it. <laughs> well, congratulations. Let's give you some karma for the offseason. Get ready for the season, which is... You play games in like five weeks? Yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Six weeks? So, okay. Well, congratulations and thanks Thank for coming in. Thank you so much for yeah. having me.
Coming up, Ronnie Jones-Perry and Team USA in the Pan Am Cup tonight. We'll tell you more about that. And three other Cougars get ready for the Men's Volleyball Nations League final. Can they do what Mary Lake and the women did and win it? This is BYU Sports Nation. Jamie, want to touch it? Thanks to today's guest, the voice of the Utes, Bill Riley, and BYU and Team USA libero and world champ Mary Lake. The show is on demand via podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Jimmer! Eurohoops.net and Greek basketball reporter George Zakis reports Jimmer Ferdet has reached a two year deal with the Greece basketball club Panathinaikos. 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 We think. It sounds like, every time I see that, I want to say Thanos. The owner said the following We will celebrate his addition within the day. Ferdet has yet to confirm the signing with another deal from China on the table. Cougars in the association. In the NBA Summer League, Eric Mika had nine points and seven rebounds in nine minutes for the Kings in a two-point loss to the Rockets. Right? Elijah Bryant and the Bucks take on China tonight at 11 p.m. Eastern. Ryan has averaged 14 points and 4.3 rebounds per game for the Bucks. Volleyball. Lex Gray had 22 kills, three blocks in an ace for Team Canada in a five-set loss to the Dominican Republic. They play Guatemala tonight, 5 Eastern in the Pan American Cup. Both Ben Patch and Taylor Sander made the roster for the FIVB Volleyball Nations League Finals in Chicago. Patch has the second highest spike success rate in the 2019 BNL at 56.79%. Team USA will play France tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Ronnie Jones-Perry, the pride of Copper Hills and Team USA, plays Puerto Rico Group B final round of the Pan American Cup tonight in Peru at 7 Eastern. Kennedy Eschenberg and the U.S. Women's Collegiate Team, Collegiate National uh, Team defeated Ukraine 3-1. to one. Uh, She had seven kills, two blocks, and one ace. The U.S. Advice, advanced to the semifinals to face Argentina today in the piles at... Naples. Oh, uh, Naples. You got it. Uh, <laughs> Naples, Italy, at 11.30 Eastern. Very nice. Today's rise and shout-outs. Mine goes to Sean Bradley, who showed up on campus, hung out with... Bronson and Corbin Kafusi randomly. Chris Burgess, Mark Pope there. Fantastic have uh, the seven foot six, one and done legend Sean Bradley on campus again. Where do you think I would fit in with that? Uh, uh, probably his, his knee, ankle? Yeah, somewhere his, ankle. Mine goes to Mary Lake just for you know everything that she went through. Um, crazy story. Crazy. Crazy, crazy story. Slept overnight in a Russian airport by yeah. herself. Man, yeah. That's what? Yeah. Real, real crazy. Uh, and then also for letting me wear her gold medal. So. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. It was awesome. heavy. So. Yeah, the, the, the burden of being great is heavy, Brian. <laughs> Question of the day. 50 days away from the season opener, what are you 50-50 about on the upcoming BYU football season? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort celebrating 50 years is from J.D. Quinn on Facebook. Beating Utah, feeling confident about our team, but hesitant to be too confident because of the streak. Ooh. We're all a little nervous. We always lost in every which way, and they win in one way. So we need just one. It just takes one to feel different. Conversation continues 24-7 on the Twitter, the Grammy, and the Facebook. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Sorry to Dennis Pitt no time, bro. For Brian, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Kendall Purcell. See you tomorrow for BYU Sports Nation right here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Be like Mary Lake, win a gold. But keep your passport in your bag. Go Cougs. Beat Utah.